Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. This is one of my favorite months to do shows because this month is the month that we talk all about intuition. And I don't know about all of you, but to me, intuition just feels so good. I love it when I get an intuitive hit. And I also love it when friends or you know family call me up and be like, I had this feeling. And then I'm like, woo, what's that feeling? I want to know about that. Today's guest is somebody who is a master intuitive. She's phenomenal. Not only is she a master intuitive, but she's a speaker. She's a women's empowerment coach. She's an entrepreneur and she's a licensed psychotherapist. My guest is Martina Barnes and Martina Barnes partners with high achieving women business professionals, and leaders to develop critical, intuitive intelligence skills so they can harness new levels of power, of purpose, and of inner guidance. I love how she brings intuition, that whole kind of right-brained, creative, emotional feeling stuff, in with that left-brained, critical, intelligence, leadership, driven. It's just such a nice way to marry both sides of the brain so we can really harness the full capacity of our intellect. So she really knows both sides of the brain here. Her experience includes training in economics, which is again, really left brain logical, applied neuroscience and advanced certifications in the mystery arts of meditation and intuition. Her proven approach has made her a sought after teacher and a facilitator for individuals, business groups, nonprofits, kind of for everybody. Something else that I really love and appreciate about Martina is she believes firmly that all of our answers lie within. And if you know me, if you've been listening to my show, you know FLAUNT is an acronym. And that last T stands for trust in your truth. And that's what Martina is all about, figuring out what is true for you. She uses her natural and her learned abilities to see deeply into another person's psyche. She helps facilitate and accelerate learning that is not only fun and safe and useful, but it's something that her clients can take forward and use, whether personally or professionally. So with that, let's just bring Martina on and have her talk to you about intuition so you too can find out what's going on inside of you and start answering your own questions. Welcome to the show, Martina. Thank you, Laura. I'm just so delighted to be here during Intuition Month. Yay. I love it. That great, that great introduction. I sound impressive. I'm thinking, I want to meet this woman, Martina. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I just wanted to start off and really have our listeners understand how you are truly the whole package. Not that there's anything wrong with a real logical linear person, not that there's anything wrong with a real woo-woo, you know, mystical person, but you're both. You truly bring in both hemispheres of the brain, both halves, and I appreciate that so much about you. You know, coming from a lawyer and burlesque dancer, I too feel passionate about marrying both sides of the brain. So start by giving our listeners a little bit of history about you and, and how you kind of started developing this and what made Martina, Martina. Oh, thank you. I would love to. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about when I was young and I'm very sensitive and empathetic 
and I could tell you how everybody else was feeling but me. And so I didn't know how to access my information or my answers. And so I was a little bit like that, that was it a duck in the children's story that goes around and says, are you my mother? Yes. Are you my mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt a little bit like that. Do you have my answers? Do you have my answers? And, and as a sensitive, empathic person, I felt very emotional most of the time. And it wasn't until I went to college and I switched from being a dance and theater major to an economics major that I feel like that left brain started to really kick in and calm down my emotions. Because before that, I felt like I was just always swimming in emotion. So here I'm studying economics and I'm studying calculus and economics is a very like heady kind of analytical topic to study. Yes. And I wasn't studying it so much for myself as I was at the time for my father. I thought, okay, I'm going to get his approval. <laughs> if I yeah. show you've been there before Miss Lawyer, right? And, and so I made this decision, okay, I'm going to become impressive with my left brain, my analytical skills. And, and it really was a gift because as I said, it started to calm my emotions down. And being empathetic and highly sensitive, I was also prone to anxiety. And I was also prone to migraine headaches. So I remember <laughs> seeing a doctor and she taught me a kind of progressive muscle relaxation that also included the instruction like heavy and warm, like my right foot is heavy and warm three times and then I, I am at peace. So I started doing this and everything started calming down in my system. So one day I'm coming in from class, I was in a woman's college and there was always a receptionist at the front desk, maybe to make sure no guys got in. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I go they sneaking in there. So I came in and I saw the receptionist Kim, and I said hi. And I peeked around her as I always did, and I looked to see if I had any uh, mail in my mailbox. We had those old-fashioned open slots. Yes. And I'm like, oh, nothing there. So I thought I'm going to run upstairs. I'm going to do my progressive muscle relaxation before I have to go tutor. And I went and I, I, went, I went to lie down on the floor and I turned on this music, pardon me, this beautiful piano music by George Winston. And I started to float and I had this profound experience of being released from my body. And I felt like I was just floating on the music notes. It was so joyful. And all of a sudden, in my mind's eye, I saw somebody take a pink envelope and insert it into the mailbox downstairs. So you can imagine how curious I was. Well, of course. <laughs> so I got up and I raced down there and I peeked around Kim's shoulder and there it was, a pink envelope in the mail slot. Oh! I said, that wasn't there when I came in. She goes, no, somebody just came and dropped that off a couple of minutes ago. I open it up. It was pretty mundane. It was just a note from my teacher saying, you don't have to tutor economics tonight. And then I stopped thinking, I stopped and thought to myself, what on earth just happened? Like, what just happened? Is it possible? Like, we right. can't know these things. And it scared me. It really, really scared me. And it just triggered like a series of other events like that, that my logical brain couldn't reason away. There were, like, how do you explain that? How could I know two stories high? Right. Right? Right. Like, I didn't see that person physically come in and give me that pink envelope. So that was the beginning. I thought, oh, so relaxation can lead to other worlds opening up inside of us. 
I like that. Okay. I want to rewind a tiny bit. I have a couple of questions to ask okay. you. Okay. You, you mentioned swimming in emotions yeah. and being emotional. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the relationship between intuition and emotion, because those things are very related. I think that our, our physical body, our emotional body, and also our mental body, yes. we're meant to be tuning forks, right? And so emotion is what guides us very often. It's what guides us to our intuition. But sometimes if we're just swimming in emotion and we're overcome by emotion, it's very hard to hear that quiet, still voice that leads us. And that quiet, still voice is the intuition. It's, sometimes it maybe seems emotional, sometimes it doesn't. But if we're swimming in very strong emotion, it can be hard to hear that clear intuition because the intuition is very clear in my experience. Yes. It doesn't, right? It doesn't talk to us in fear. It doesn't, I mean, our instincts could say fight or flight, like don't go down that dark alley. That's a right. little bit different, right? right? Right. But our intuition is clear. It doesn't talk to us in fear. It doesn't talk to us in a critical voice like, why aren't you being too, you know, more productive in that book you're writing, Martina? Right. It's not, it's not hypercritical. It's this really clear voice that gives us direction. Is that how you've experienced it? Yes. And, and that's why I was curious because you had mentioned swimming in emotion and then relaxation. I, I see three bubbles. I see the emotion, I see relaxation, and I see intuition. And I think they are all like those three overlapping bubbles. There's kind of that, that overlap that we need. We need to relax enough, in my experience, to get out of our critical mind, to get out of that logical, how could I know there was a pink envelope? We need to get out of that mind, but we need to retain this thinking skills. We need to relax enough, like you were saying, to float, but not to fall asleep. <laughs> and we also have to be tuned into the emotion to allow us to process what it is that we're feeling. Emotion and intellect are kind of opposite and we can't, we can't be in, in too much on one end of the stick or on the other end of the stick. We just have yeah. to find that middle point. And I think there are, we need all pieces of them, but we can't move too much into any of them. Yes, I think I really love the way you laid that out in those bubbles because the physical, this is the relaxation piece, the emotional and the intellectual or mental, all of them are meant to work together. And sometimes if we close ourselves off to our emotions, we're also going to close ourselves off to intuition, yes. right? Yes. yes. And so it is very much about finding a balance. And I agree very much with how you're assessing it. You had also mentioned when you were younger, you knew how everybody else was feeling and what they needed. And to me, that, that feels like intuition and it feels like it's such a common experience. So many kids are so intuitive. So many kids just accept. They don't have that logical part of their mind saying, how can I know two stories up that somebody was putting in there? They don't think about that because they don't question it and they don't care. And it almost doesn't matter how it comes or why it comes. They just accept it. We are socialized out of our intuition in Western culture, right? Yes. Not so much in Eastern culture, but in Western culture, we're told not to see things, not to feel things. I remember when I used to work at hospice, one of my jobs was to go in and provide counseling to children, whether it was in elementary, middle, or high school. Okay. Yeah. So the kids in elementary school would often tell a teacher, you know, grandma died, but I wake up in the middle of the night and I see her in the rocking chair in the living room and we talk to one another. Oh. And so this would, this would concern the teacher and the teacher would then call him the expert from hospice. Of course, the teacher didn't know that this expert was wanting to hear all about grandma. <laughs> tell me what she said. <laughs> tell me, like, 
and I would validate to them. I say, sometimes adults don't understand. It's scary to them, but you seeing grandma and talking to her after she physically left this earth is actually the most, it's really the most natural thing in the world. And so if I could validate to them that it was okay to see and feel and have that conversation with their grandmother, they could then work through their grief and then the teachers or the parents would perceive that, okay, Martina came in and fixed that person, fixed that child. But no, it's about giving permission. I love that. I love that. And what I'm hearing you say, and what I just want to verbalize for the listeners out there, intuition is not just one thing. Intuition isn't just pick 14, 22, and 30 on the lottery and you're going to win. Intuition is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's a knowingness. It can include seeing auric fields, it can include mediumship, it can include kind of a whole variety of things. It is a, an ability that we can apply in various formats. It's not just, I'm a psychic. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And, and that word, it's interesting, you know, that word psychic comes from the word psyche, which basically means mind, right? True. And, right. And yet we have, we do have narrow definitions of what it means to be psychic. And that, that's sometimes why I, why I choose to use the word intuition more, because it seems to encompass, it's not just this idea of, oh, here's this person who's a medium who's sitting in front of a crystal ball or she's channeling this information or that information. And it's important for all of your listeners to remember that they are born with intuition. They may have been socialized out of it. They may have been told not to feel what they felt mm -hmm. or know what they knew or see what they saw. But it actually is very natural. And what happens, and I imagine you've had this experience too, is that when we do start to reclaim our intuition, whenever that happens, that we start to have a sense that things are falling in place in our life. Yes. In a way that maybe wasn't happening when we had our intuition turned off because we're, we're doing what we think our parents or family or society expects of us. Yes, very much. Now, uh, it's my guess that most of the listeners out there are thinking, turn mine on. Let me reclaim it. I want my life to kind of fall into place. Do you have any tips or practices that you can give to people who are interested in having this reclaimed in unsocializing <laughs> yes. yeah, themselves and reclaiming some of these natural intuitive gifts? Yes. Well, so there are many different avenues. Of course, I know that you teach yoga. I've taken one of your yoga classes. I yes, love it. Have. One of the ways to back to our body to hear what's happening is through something like yoga Mm -hmm. It can be something as simple as walking alone in the yeah. quiet, right, with nobody else. It can be that we meditate. That was how I found my avenue. And maybe the first place to start, if it feels like it's been turned off, is to start listening to your body and the sensations in your body. So maybe we could try a little experiment right now. This yes. is something that I do with my students. So if, if you were to close your eyes and think about a situation when you felt that you were given a very clear no. For example, it could have been somebody was approaching you and it didn't feel safe. That person didn't feel safe or somebody invited you to a party, or you got a job offer, and your full body gave you this no message, stop. If you imagine that, and then you tune in and notice, okay, what is your body telling you it feels like when there's a clear no? 
So it might feel like a tightness in the chest or in the stomach or tension in the muscles. It might be this icky feeling. Mm-hmm. So if you tune in, you say, okay, when was there a circumstance when there was a very, very clear note? What did that feel like in my body? And you just notice that. And then you think of an experience when it was a clear yes, like this enthusiastic, joyful yes. Like, Laura, do you want to come and reopen the Clock Tower Cabaret and do a yes? And Laura's like, yes, yeah. like her whole body's yes. yes. And then, right? You notice what did that feel like? Maybe that felt kind of an excitement. It felt light. It felt bubbly. So this is a great place to start because once you know what your body feels like in a clear no and a clear yes, then you can start to play this game with yourself. Do I want yogurt this morning? No. Do I want to go for a run? Yes. Do I want to talk to my mother today? No. (laughs) (laughs) And you just start that very simple yes and no. Yes and no. I like that. That feels like it's a Mm -hmm. great place to start. I like that. And how I like, what I like about that practice is it's simple enough, but it is very clear and something you can take into the workplace. You can be the CEO of, you know, a, a major company and you can still tune into yourself and you don't have to necessarily rationalize every single decision. Yes, there's charts. Yes, there's things to consider. Yes, there are facts and figures, but you can also tune into yourself and then you can have a very clear explanation that even though the pricing around this doesn't support it, I am feeling very positive about this investment and then maybe checking in with other people. Martina, what is your gut reaction on this too? And then when everybody on your team is checking in and intuitively correct, it's my guess that you are going to elevate your whole company. Absolutely. I love that you gave that example because if we think about what happened when the states, I mean, of course, the whole world is in a pandemic right now, but right. we think about what happened uh, in the states, all of these CEOs or C-suite executives are looking toward the external data. This is where the C-suite executives or the leaders started to, I think the really effective leaders started to turn inward to access the internal data system more frequently because there was so much offline happening externally. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You gave a beautiful scenario of that leader turning inside and going, okay, it may not be logical to move in this direction or to price things a certain way, but this is what my gut's telling me. Then that leader sits with her team and gets everybody else's intuition. So if the leader is modeling that I use this skill and you have permission to use this skill, then everybody's going to feel empowered in a new way. Yes. So that leads me into my next question. And this is a difficult question, but you can answer it. (laughs) Truth is within us. All of our truth can be different. How does that work when you've got two people and my truth is telling me one thing and my answer is very clear and your truth is telling you something else? How do we come together and how does that make one person right or wrong or how do you do that? That is, that's really, really a complex situation. And, and I believe that we're seeing, we are seeing this sort of acted out in our communities right now because we're watching some people, I'm just, I'm not gonna politicize this, but I'm just gonna right. use the mask example, right? Yes. Some people believe that we need to be wearing a mask to help stop the virus. Other people believe that we don't need to be wearing a mask to stop the virus and have different opinions about why that is. And so I've given a lot of thought to this because I do believe we all have our inner truth and at the same time that that inner truth is based on our belief systems yes and it's very 
challenging to be respectful sometimes of another person's truth and another person's belief system. And I think about, as a psychologist, how hard it is to help somebody change a negative belief system about themselves. Yes. That hard to change a belief system about ourselves. Like if I think to myself that I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or not pretty enough or I'm whatever it is I tell myself, I may very much believe that and that may very much feel like my truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of emotion invested in that. Now, if I, however, start to employ this mechanism that many refer to as mindfulness. Yes. Right? And I start to observe my thoughts. As soon as I start to observe my thoughts, I start to get some distance from them. And then if I keep getting distance, I might say, I wonder if that really is true. So it's a journey. Yes. It's a journey we take where we have that truth inside and our belief systems can be clouding that truth or blocking that truth. But with mindfulness, if we back up and get some space, then we start to discover, oh, there may be more to the truth than I thought, mm. right? So I think, I think when we have two individuals with different truths, the first place we have to start is to say, I'm going to respect this person's belief system, even if I don't agree with it. Right. Because it isn't my place to tell you what your truth is, because then I think I'm playing God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not qualified. (laughs) Yes. Is that helpful? It is. It is difficult. And I know many people struggle with that. And I don't believe we're necessarily supposed to get comfortable with that. And I liked how you said it's, it's just a respect thing and backing off is hard, but you're right. That mindfulness piece at least allows us to disentangle from the emotions around that. And yeah, you know, on a similar vein, there's a section in my book. um, It's the whole cognitive dissonance section, but I, I take that lawyer part of me because as a lawyer, you have to advocate for for somebody else's position. You have to advocate on their behalf. And whenever I find myself getting locked in or unsure, and I feel like my intuition is broken and I'm not getting it, I ask myself to advocate for the other point of view. And at first it's hard because you're like, I don't like these people and I don't like this, blah, 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 whatever it is. But then once you can start advocating on their behalf, then I start understanding where they're coming from. And oftentimes my own position, it won't soften, but it will broaden and and I'll be able to encompass more. Yeah. I love that. That's so beautiful, Laura. Thank you. You bring up a really important point. I was talking with a client this morning and, and when she starts to feel a kind of helplessness or hopelessness, her brain goes into blaming herself or blaming another person. Yes. And I said, what if when you did that, you went into, you went into what would maybe be called a neutral or objective place like the lawyer saying, I'm going to take another position. What if you were describing to me this other person's actions that you're angry about, or you feel like you want to cast blame on them? What if you were going to describe to me that other person in their actions, but without judgment, without being judgmental, right? Yes. And what if you did that for yourself too? What if you turned that question in and said, instead of I'm going to describe this process inside of me, Laura, but I'm not going to be judgmental toward myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that opens up the space too, to broaden our perspective on something. And empathy really is about, can we imagine another person's point of view? It doesn't mean that we have to agree with them, right? Right. Right. And I liked taking that all the way back to your first example when you were talking about yourself and anxiety and relaxing. And it's that 
and perhaps I'm putting words in your mouth, but anxiety tends to come from not being able to balance the emotion with the intellect. It feels like there's a disconnect and you had both of those going. And then when you can relax, it can kind of calm down and be like, Oh, I know what's going on here and I can manage my emotions around it. And I can think this through and I can move into whichever side of my brain is best able to handle this situation. That's right. Yeah. So it feels like that is kind of a nice way to balance that. And then like with your example, floating away on the music, it allowed your intuition to come forward because everything else is balanced and you were feeling it's okay to be anxious. I might need to be tutoring. I've got this progressive relaxation as a skill set that I can use to help manage that. So I am in control and bam, the intuition comes up. That's right. And you know, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about that first semester that I went to study economics and, and I had not taken calculus in high school. I had been good in math, but I didn't take calculus in high school. I try, I'm trying to understand calculus and the teacher I'm sure was brilliant, but had no skills at teaching other <laughs> yes. people that understand calculus. So I hired this tutor and she was a couple of years younger than me. She was on scholarship. She was brilliant and she had like no people skills and she would sit next to me as the tutor and she would kind of like make these sounds that would bring up shame inside of me. Like, oh, God, you I, know, you can't I can't get it. <laughs> and so you can imagine like I've got my brain, my left brain is trying so hard to get the math. And then I have this person judging me and shaming me sitting next to me. So my anxiety is just skyrocketing. And I tell my dad and my dad says, fire her. I'm like, Oh, okay. okay. The next day I met this uh, student who was two years older than me. She was so lovely. She had such an open heart. She was a very spiritual person. And she goes, oh, I'll tutor you. I'll tutor you for free. So she comes and she sits down next to me. And she's just like enveloped in all this love and warmth and genuinely not judgmental to me at all. And having that emotional part of me calm down opened up my brain so that I could do the math. And so it's like, what a gift that was. This is what happens when we, when somebody judges us or shames us or we judge or shame ourselves, Yes, we're going to shut ourselves down. But if there's love and acceptance, it's like, whoo, we get to blossom. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. So you had this experience in college. You tune into your intuition. You float away. You see the pink envelope. Then you shift tutors. You get this loving, accepting. You start feeling more accepted. You start doing better. Then does that kick your intuition into high gear? Do you start having more intuitive moments or were you still not sure what that meant and still trying to think, how could I know this? What's going on? What's the story on that? It, it continued to be scary for me because I came from a medical family and they were all about scientific yes. method. And so I, I thought maybe I might be going crazy. Yes. And I went to, this is really a fascinating story, talking about children and their openness. So my friend Diana, my best friend there said, I don't know what's happening, but we'll find help for you. And we won't take you to the psychiatrist. <laughs> They're not going to put you, you know, in the, in the state hospital, the Looney Tune, right, place. Um, and she went just through a series of circumstances. She, she went to answer an ad to do house cleaning. Okay. And a woman had a two-year-old daughter named Alexis. And Alexis kept coming up to Diana during the interview and tapping on her knee saying, Tina, Tina, nobody called me Tina. Everybody called me Martina, except my best friends and my family. And Diana said, how does your daughter know my best friend's name? She said, well, my daughter's psychic and I give her permission to use her intuition. And I think your friend Tina is in trouble would you like me to tune into her? And, the, and Diana said yes. And the woman tuned in and said, you know, your friend Tina is very psychic and very intuitive, but she thinks she's crazy. And 
I suggest she go get a healing at this place called the Berkeley Psychic Institute because I lived in the, the Bay Area. And I was like, no, <laughs> weird stuff where it's like, that. they'll like put electrodes on me and then they'll say, oh my gosh, you're not psychic, you're crazy, off to the mental hospital you go. Right. Or they'll say you are psychic and that means you're going to lead a very scary life. People, you'll start lighting furniture on fire when you're angry and out of control. Right. Just scary thoughts. But ultimately what happened is I went there and I got a healing. They didn't even touch my body. I felt like somebody had given me a couple glasses of wine. Mm -hmm. So relaxed. And so when I, it was when I went there to study and everything was normalized for me, then I could accept that, oh, this really is a phenomena that we all have. And it doesn't mean we're crazy. It just means we're, we're in a different part of the brain. But I think now we fast forward like thir 35 years, okay, for me, I was, I was young. And we have neuroscience that says, oh, you know what? We can start to look at intuition as unconscious intelligence. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can kind of start to measure it in ways we couldn't before. And so right. there, there was a real act of faith that I had to go on for many, many, many years. But the more I listened to my intuition and inner truth, the more sane I felt because I wasn't feeling conflict. Like, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. And I like how you called it out, how you said it feels scary. Because I do think for many people, for many of us who have been raised that you can't know that, and that's weird. And yes, we think about Stephen King's Carrie or Poltergeist or anything like that. And that isn't how intuition really functions in the everyday realm. It is normal. And what a gift for you to be able to go have that healing to you know, have your friend meet with that family so they could validate for you that this was normal. And then you could wrap your left brain and your right brain kind of together. And even though you're going on faith, I'm guessing that it felt better and you felt more sane. It felt so much better. It felt so sane. I think, you know, part of what happens when we're children and we have all of these intuition abilities close to the surface, Yes. If we say something to an adult and the adult in a way gaslights us or, or lies to us, and maybe they're doing it just in a very innocent way. They're not, you know, no, everything's fine with daddy and me. And like, no, I'm not stressed about work or, you know, we have plenty of money. Yeah, we got plenty of money. No, <laughs> right. But the child then is thrown into conflict between what the child feels and knows and what the adult says, right? You're saying, no, that, that's not what's happening here. So if you get a lot of those messages, then you're gonna feel conflict. If you're a child raised in a family where your parents can really validate your emotional experience and can say, yeah, you know what, mommy is really sad, about something happening at work and it's okay, I've got it, you don't have to take care of mommy. Then the child goes away going, oh, I was right. I was right. So for those of us who were given mixed messages, I came from a, I came from a divorce family and my mother really struggled with alcohol abuse. And when she wasn't drinking, she was magnificent. But when she was drinking, there were like a lot of lies that went on yes. and that created a lot of confusion inside of me. And as a child, I want to believe my mother, right? Of course. Who she's, she's my safety line, right? And so, so if we can encourage our children to like feel and to validate to them what they are feeling, not just our children, but if you have a friend who's struggling, if you can really hear that friend's emotional experience and validate them, then they're going to start to feel like they're sane rather than crazy. Mm -hmm. Like how many times has a spouse cheated on the other spouse and lied about it? And the person being lied to 
thinks they're going crazy. Right. 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 But that's not really the case. Right. They're being lied to. Exactly. And moving into another kind of current event, I'm also thinking about racism and the social injustice that's coming to the forefront right now. There has been a lot of lying going on around that. We are diverse. We are inclusive, but we're not. You know, that we, we say the right things, we do the right things on the surface, but the energetic feeling is you really don't belong here. We're hiring you because you're a woman, but we don't really want you here. We're hiring you because you're a person of color, but you're not really included here. And there's a lot of lying, I think, that's going on around that too. Yes, and you bring up such an important point, right? That there has been a lot of lying going on and there's also a lot of self-lying going on yes. and inner deception going on. Part of that, if I take a positive outlook and give people the benefit of the doubt, especially a white person. So I'm a, I'm a white woman, right? And I'm going to have blind spots. Yes. Okay. And this is one of the things that we're learning right now is that we have to be honest about we do see race and we do see color. And, and it isn't until we can move beyond our blind spots that we can start to really see the truth of what a colored, anybody of color is experiencing, right? Correct. And so the person who's saying, I'm hiring you because you're welcomed as a woman, or I'm hiring you because you're welcome as an African-American or a Hispanic, but, you're like, not. but they're not. And so that person's living with maybe lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. And the person who is, who is the recipient of that feels that dissonance, right? Yes. And, and so it's really in, in a, in a way, kind of insulting to another person saying, oh, you're not feeling that, you're not receiving that discrimination, when in fact, yes, they know that they are. Mm-hmm. And, and like, how do they fight back? And so I think that's where, for those of us who have white privilege, where we can step in and empathize. I mean, we can't know what it's like to be a person of color. No. We can empathize and we can validate their experience. And, and I also know that we can convey a sense of warmth and acceptance to a person of color, even without our words. Yes. And to your earlier point about not judging, not judging ourselves and not judging others. If we can even hold space for, I see somebody has got some blind spots and not judge them for having the blind spots, perhaps we can all elevate again more quickly too. So if we feel that we're being judged for our beliefs, our blind spots, the way we see things, then we're going to defend that position rather than open up to a new way of seeing things which shuts down all the intuition and which shuts down all that empathy and then which makes all the emotions not valid, so to speak. It makes them all fear-based and proving-based and ego-based. Yes. Yeah. Great articulation of that. And really, if we look at, if we only look at it from a scientific standpoint of Intuition is unconscious intelligence that we can bring to the surface. Okay, that's yes. one definition. But we can also look at we can also look at intuition as a function of the soul. Oh, Martina, right. I love that. Like that it is, I think it's like this telephone line to our soul. Yes. <laughs> and we can say, oh, if we go to bed at night and we're struggling with the problem, and you maybe have already done this many times, maybe it's regular practice for you. And you say, okay, I really want to be guided by my higher self or I want to be guided by my soul. And I have this problem I don't know how to solve. If we ask, our soul is right there ready to pick up the telephone 
Exactly. Download, right? And say, hey, so it really is a function of soul. I believe that that's my belief. Some would say, okay, it's only scientific. It's only about, you know, the left side or the right side of the brain. I think it's both. It's about using your whole brain and it's also a function of the soul. Yes. And I like that. We are going to take a two second break for an ad. And when we come back, I am going to walk you through the five steps of flaunt as they relate to you and your intuition. So stick with us. We will be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra. Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. All right, and we are back with the glorious and brilliant and intuitive Martina Barnes. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that FLAUNT is an acronym, and it stands for Find Your Fetish, Laugh Out Loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. And today we are talking all about intuition. And really intuition is a huge function of trusting in your truth, whether it's your soul's wisdom or your you know, intuitive right brain. Trusting in your truth is really what intuition is all about. So Martina, the first letter is F, find your fetish. I believe that intuition comes out when we're enjoying ourselves, when we're happy, when we're not in that fight, flight, or freeze. I like to say, get out of fight, flies, or for fight, flight, or freeze, and get into flaunt. <laughs> Love it. Yes. What do you like to do? What is your fetish? What is something that you can do that will just always bring you into a state of joy? Oh, I would say probably the first thing that comes to mind is I find my little hound dog (laughs) and I start to rub his belly and then I start to throw his toys for him. I mean, being with him is just pure love and pure joy. Now, another thing that I used to love to do before, before the pandemic shut us down is I also love to dance Argentine tango because we would dance basically in a hug. We would hug each other and dance together. And that was such a beautiful thing, like that heart connection. Anything that opens my heart is my fetish girlfriend. Oh, yes. I love that. (laughs) And listeners, if you've got an animal or if your friend's got an animal, go play with that animal because you're absolutely right. That brings so much joy. The next step of flunt is the L, laugh out loud. And again, laughter is so purifying. It is such a cathartic release. It just feels good. Do you use laughter in your life? And if so, how do you do that? How do you bring in intentional laughter? That's such a great question. You know, when you said that, I was thinking about my friend, Laura, who's also named Laura, who's also an attorney, who turned coach. And, she, and yoga teacher, and she went and taught, she went and got certified in laughing yoga. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to learn laughing yoga because I think that that would be an awesome tool to be able to more spontaneously activate laughter. For me, I would say almost always just calling up a friend. That brings just so much laughter. And also I would say I really love I really love watching comedies, romantic comedies, you know, it's watching people bumble around when they're falling in love. That, that brings a lot of laughter to my heart. Oh, I love it. And I love how you mentioned finding your fetish is opening your heart and laughter is about your heart. So for you, there's a lot of heart energy going on there. (laughs) Now, AU is the golden center of flaunt and that stands for accept unconditionally which is so much harder to do than we sometimes wish it were. And that means accepting yourself unconditionally and accepting others unconditionally. And quite often there's a mirror there. 
what yeah. we dislike about others, we dislike about ourselves. So true. Oh, yes. What are some of the things that you struggle to accept unconditionally and how do you get over that? So I, so I would say about myself, even at my age, I still struggle with accepting my levels of sensitivity because that means sometimes that I'm going to have to rest more often than somebody else. And so I, one way that helps me accept myself and that is to think of, okay, if I had a dear friend, I'm thinking of a dear friend, I'm making this up in my mind. Right. So if I have a dear friend who had, let's say a chronic immune deficit, maybe they had a disease like lupus, would I be angry with that person for lying down as often as they need to lie down to rest? And the answer of course is no. And so if I think for me, again, I'm, as, as we're talking out flaunt, I'm thinking about it all comes back to the heart for me. And so it's, uh, I would say that I have a hard, I have a hard time accepting the way people drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I feel like, wait a second, I can't be the only one who knows how to drive on the road, but it feels that way sometimes. And so one way that I shift that is I turn on music that is really beautiful, often like classical music. Sometimes I'll turn on country music because there's lots of funny stories in country music, but yeah. it's, it's usually trying to find beauty and trying to open my heart again and opening it to myself. It's not easy when it's something I don't like about myself. But again, I think if I think to myself, well, I wouldn't, if Laura wanted to rest 15 times a day, which you wouldn't because you're the energizer bunny, but <laughs> if you did, I wouldn't judge you for that. I would love you for that. I want to make you comfortable. Like here, let me get you a cup of tea and a blankie. Right, right. I will wait for you. I, I will read a book and I'll wait for you. I That's love it. that. And isn't that the truth? We extend to others sometimes so much more generosity and kind words. The, the way that we speak to ourselves, we would never say it to another person. That's so right. Yeah. So the N is navigate the negative. From the stories that you've shared so far, there have been some difficult times. It was difficult for you to study, you know, economics. You were trying to please your father. Your home was broken. Your mom struggled with alcohol. You had a lot of quote unquote negative things happen to you. How did you navigate all of that then? And how do you navigate things now? Is it the same or is it different? I think, you know, as in some ways it's the same as a child, I loved being physical like you. I loved to dance. I loved to roller skate. I loved to play ball in the street. I loved to read. I loved to escape to other magical worlds. And if I had contact with a friend, maybe my age or an adult at school who could connect with me even just once a day, that really helped me navigate the negative. And today, if I'm not getting my daily exercise in, that's really hard for me sometimes to navigate the negative. And I was away this past week working on a book on courage and intuition. And by the third day, I took a nosedive. It was like the end of the third day, I took a nosedive. And what I knew to do was to call the people I love. I called my sister, I called my boyfriend, I called Miss Kitty, who's 84 years old, and, and I reached out to them, and they all reassured me that the struggle I was having, because it was a new type of writing skill I'm trying to learn, they all reassured me that I'm okay, I'm not a failure, it doesn't mean I'm stupid, like all these negative things I was saying to myself, they know me. Yes. So if I could have them reflect back to me and go, wait a second, you're all these wonderful, amazing things. You're just having a real moment of humanness. You're struggling with your humanity right now. And that just helped me come out of that hole. I love that. That's so true. Reaching out to people who know us and who love us. And what I kind of want to point out to the listeners right now, you are incredibly intuitive, but you couldn't do it for yourself. No, no, because I'm too close. And that's what happens. Yes. If somebody's reflecting back to us, 
who we are, the beauty of who we are, then we can more easily get back on track and believe and trust, right? But if we're in that negative place, you know, the brain just shuts us down and we're not flowing with the heart and all the intuition. Yes. So like earlier, you know, you said we should all tune on our intuition. We should all reclaim it and it makes our life together better. It does. And we can still fall in a hole. And yeah, we still need other people. And yeah, we can still sob and cry and throw a pity party. That's right. And, and that just, it, it doesn't make us less than, it makes us human. And we were, when we remember we're human and we're in this all together, it's not this competition. It's like, I don't have to be this superior person. I just need to be human and have people who care about me and can help pull me out of the hole. Yes. Yes. And you had mentioned you are sensitive and you have to rest. It's not that intuition makes us superhuman. We are human and it helps. It helps. It does. Yes. So thank you for the vulnerability. Thank you for the authenticity on that. So listeners can have a realistic idea of what it means to be intuitive. Because again, sometimes I think we have this like I mentioned, Poltergeist and Stephen King's Carrie, we have this idea that being intuitive is this magical, mystical crystal ball weirdness. And it's not. It's just how to navigate our lives better. That's right. And the quality of our life can change over time and elevate. And we can then elevate others around us. And we're still going to fall in mud puddles. We're still going to fall in potholes. And we're going to need another human being to help us out. And that just means we're human. Yes. I love that. And that leads us to the final T in flaunt, which is trust in your truth. And I was hoping you could share with us, what is Martina's truth? What is your soul? And it can be words that make no sense. It can be a beautiful poem. It can be a song. It can be a dance. But what is Martina's soul's truth. I think it's all of those, all of the above. And my biggest truth is love. My biggest truth is love. And, and when I go into the darkness, it's because I'm not having a connection of love. And I know that every single person on this earth, even people who do bad things, that we all are capable of love and we need one another and our hearts connect to one another. And when somebody says, what are your spiritual beliefs? Can you tell me, you know, do you believe in Jesus or Buddha or whomever? And, and I say, yes. And if I distill it down to one word, it's love. And that, that, and maybe that sounds naive, but I do, I really love that. I love that song, you know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I really do believe that the more love we have for ourselves and one another, the higher our consciousness is going to elevate. I don't think it's naive at all. I think it's beautiful. And I think you're spot on because that is the thread that went through this entire interview. Whether we talked about you know, racism, unconscious bias, um, knowing our truth, accepting that somebody else has a different truth. When we love somebody, we tend to be less judgmental of them. We tend to be more accepting of them. When we love ourselves, we're less judgmental of ourselves. And you mentioned that heart connection. If I'm connected to you and you're connected to me and we have some vastly different beliefs, at least I will try to understand you and you will try to understand me and it will elevate all of us. Yes, absolutely. I believe in that. And, and you have a very infectious heart. It's a very joyful heart and very infectious. And you're such a bright light in our world. And I so appreciate the, the many, many ways that you express your love light in the world. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much. And for listeners who want to learn more about you, can you tell them how you work with people, what they might accomplish when they work with you, and then how to get a hold of you? Yes. Thanks, Laura, for asking. So I work with folks either in group settings or one-on-one. 
And I will have a new intuitive intelligence development class starting again. I believe we're going to do like starting in mid-September. And so what folks can expect to learn in working with me in the group is to learn these tools and skills to really hone in to their intuition and learn how to direct it, learn how to apply it. And we do, it's a very experiential group. We do it, of course, online now. And I have people, you know, come from the States. The last group I had, I had quite a few from Canada. And we're in there just with a great sense of curiosity and wonder and openness. And we're all there in the group experience. Somebody will share an experience like an experience that they have and everybody else will go, Oh my gosh, I identify with that. That's what, you know, that's what I was getting to. So you can expect to get more and more connection with your intuition. It can show up on a reliable level. It can help guide you in your personal life. It can help guide you in your professional life and your relationships. So you're going to really strengthen that muscle. You're going to get, you're going to uncover it and, put it into motion in new ways. And if people want to take a deeper dive and they want to, they want help with removing, identifying and then removing the blind spots yeah. so that they can tap into their intuition on a super powerful way, like really get to their core truth and yeah. let that lead them, then come work one-on-one -on -one with me. And you can find me through martinabarnes.com. It's Barnes with an E like Barnes and Noble, martinabarnes.com. And you can go on and take a little quiz on reliable personal power in your personal relationships and say, hey, how am I doing? Like, where are my strengths and where do I need to learn and grow? Martina, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Laura. Yo, I am so glad. Listeners, do reach out to Martina. She is a wealth of wisdom. Have an amazing intuitive week. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.